The Data Podcast, created for people and data, by people and data. Subscribe today to hear the latest insights from data leaders, tech professionals, and industry experts. Everything you need to know in one handy podcast, suitable for sharing and best enjoyed with a nice cold pint. Hello and welcome to uh, episode eight of the Data Pubcast. Um, so this week I'm on my own uh, as Andy's been called into a work emergency. So I'm going to be flying solo with our guest. Um, and uh, I'm joined by uh, Matt Horton, um, data architect at uh, CDL Software. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Matt. Um, how are you doing today? Yeah, not bad. Um, it's actually, uh, I'm, I'm on holiday for just over a week um, after today. So this is a great way to finish. And uh, I'm uh, a listener. I'm up to date with my data pub podcast. So I've um, been listening <laughs> for a long time. So thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, it's good to always have someone who's uh, listened to the episodes and, and hopefully you've done your homework with the three questions we're going to ask later. I have indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I knew they'd be coming. <laughs> so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do at CDL? Uh, give us a bit of background as to your as to your role and things like that. Sure, yeah. So like you say, I'm the, I'm the data architect at, at CDL. Uh, I've been there for probably just over six years now. Um, my background is in is in is in data uh, engineering in general. Um, I've always worked with data, but at, at CDL, I guess I'm. Um, I guess I'd say I, I kind of split my time between the kind of data engineering and building and writing um, kind of um, data software or data products, and the other half of the time is really around um, helping build out that data capability and uh, in data engineering. And really, a uh, focus on on the on the people side, which uh, is is something that I'm, um, I would say I'm getting better at. Uh, it's not <laughs> something that um, at first came naturally to me, um, but yeah, I do spend probably about half my time now working on building those data teams um, that build out our our data products and data services. Um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite varied. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those those areas where I think most people think. You know, being um, being a leader within data is just about the technical aspects, but it's that's just a, a part of it. And actually, um, being able to uh, do all of the people management side and lead people is uh, is really important as well. So, um, yeah, so good good uh, good point to make there. Um, so you you mentioned around data products, and I think that's what we're gonna try and focus on in in today's episode. Um, so. And I know a lot of organizations really struggle when it comes to um, kind of defining data and digital products and, and adopting a, a kind of a product way of working. So do you want to just give me your take on what what you would define or classify as a, as a data product? Yeah, sure. So I'd probably say that um, it's, it's really about providing the data that the, that the company needs. Um, I think that can range in, in complexity, but generally I, I, I kind of see the data products falling into kind of like a few key categories. Um, so you've got like very simple stuff like the raw data, then moving through into derived and enriched data. And then onto things like um, decision support systems and even, you know, uh, I guess the holy grail is automated uh, decision making and all the kind of AI and ML kind of buzzwords that go along with that. Um, it's, it's probably sometimes a bit a bit easier to describe what what isn't a data product. Um, so uh, again, going back to that, kind of focusing on what 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 the company needs. You know, um, if you've got like something like Gmail, that obviously like involves data, but it's it, it's it's problem that it's trying to solve is is given an efficient email service to people so it, it's not a data product although you know data's obviously flying around uh, but then you know something like power bi or tableau those would be considered data products that the data i think it's, it's kind of key that the data is central to the, the kind of interactions i guess that, that are happening with the end user so, you know, in, in the case of those products, you know, the end users filtering, transforming and kind of visualizing the data. 
in order to help them understand the data better. So that you know that that's a really you know simple example of of that's clearly a data product. Um, I guess it it really just comes down to what uh, a lot of the time is what is the business problem that we're trying to trying to solve, and there's a I guess a particular data assets or group of data assets that a company might hold key to that. Um, so I could probably give you some examples, I guess, of, of what I'm kind of working on on now, and 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 that's really around um, making um, company data more easily accessible to our software engineering teams. Um, so, you know, like, like yourself, you'll you'll have data stored somewhere, you know, in a, in a database or, or whatever, and, and but that asset potentially probably has use across multiple other products certainly in our case anyway in the, in the kind of world of insurance it does um and if there's not a simple way for those kind of software engineering teams to interact with that data um it's going to slow them down um so kind of instead instead of being reactive and and kind of building out bespoke integrations on, you know, maybe a case by case basis. You can't take a step back, really, I guess, and, and look at the need of that, you know, the company stakeholders overall, and and you know, you'd look to kind of build out a data product, and that could be something as simple as an API. So then that API becomes the data product, and it has lots of customers, and. Ideally, you know, if, if, if it's a good product, they can consume that service that it provides in a really frictionless way. Um, I, I guess I, I, I think you'll agree, um, when we've spoken in the past, <laughs> you seem to anyway, um, that I think a lot of projects involving data, there's a really high proportion of time, I think, spent on what I would call data wrangling. So that, that kind of, um, I think there's a, like a, a Google... Um, Kaggle study that says it's kind of up to like 80% of the time which is just crazy, you know, you kind of spend sourcing the data, cleansing it um, and if, if, if that kind of work is having to be done by multiple teams that, yeah. that's going to really slow you down <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it's it, it's a common problem across a, a lot of organisations and, and I think it's, it's an inefficiency problem but it's mm -hmm. also where um, touches a lot of other areas around kind of governance, control, accuracy, uh, and all of that kind of stuff as well. Because as soon as you're um, pushing that responsibility onto multiple teams, they're never all going to do it in the same way to the same standards and yeah. and ultimately have the same result. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, the, the, often I see the, the these kind of, functions or you know these product teams called like platform or tools teams as well and if you kind of come across those but um i think you know if you take like you know maybe like the cloud as an example and you know I, i'm an aws person so i'm going to talk about aws so each each kind of team working in aws they could spend their time kind of creating aws accounts managing those accounts or the billing that goes around it creating the vpcs VPNs, dealing with the DNS and all those sort of like you know plumbing connectivity type things, um, but that's that's really quite a high load to put on a on a team whose I guess business objective likely has nothing at all to do with networking. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I'm sure you've seen like the kind of idea of, of, of platform or tools teams providing that kind of baseline. Um, for then all all the other kind of teams to start building on top of, and and I think the same kind of principle applies with with data product teams. Yeah, yeah. So do do you um, for the for the data products that you then stand up? Do you do you run them as kind of full product teams with things like product owners and uh, and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, so I guess right now. Um, like like anybody else, it's a it's a bit of a journey. So what I'd say mm -hmm. is, across our kind of data services area at CDL, I would say that maybe fifty percent of the teams 
are what I would class as product teams. And then mm-hmm. I would say the other half is probably kind of in, in that kind of data data engineering space. Um, so I could probably give you kind of some examples of, of, of what I mean by that. And, I, and I should be clear, I'm not saying that necessarily one is better than the other. Um, yeah. it's, it's more about what, what works. Um, so mm-hmm. like with any kind of, um, you know, best practice, um, <laughs> don't, don't just blindly apply it <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. in your own organization. But um, yeah, so we, we've got, um, the best example is probably we've got a data engineering team who are experts in relational databases and, and they kind of make sure that, you know, those databases are really reliable, they're backed up, they comply with all the kind of um, RTO, RPO type requirements. Um, but their their work really is driven from uh, another product team whose product is the, the kind of insurance policy admin system that we sell to customers. And, and the data engineering team that are dealing with the, the, the database on their behalf, they're not going out there and talking to the customers about the insurance business themselves. It, it's the product team um, work um, th- that um, they're going out there. They're doing the the market research. They're building the insurance problem, uh, insurance platform. And effectively, what they've, they've chosen done is, is is outsource the database plumbing, really, to a, to a specialist team, rather than have to kind of take on that extra load of building and maintaining those really quite specialist skills themselves um so it's, it's, it's really allowing them to um to focus on what what their core business problem is um so that, that i guess that's where we we have data engineering teams but, um so that's probably about half half the teams that we've got at the moment so where we do have data product teams um um i think um, that really is around them having a real ownership of solving a problem rather than delivering something that's been spec'd for them. Yeah, so um, I, I, I guess the product team looks at, looks at the particular problem or even, I guess, if they're, if they're really good, you know, identifies a problem that needs solving themselves. Um and then they'd go out and and they'd look, um, it, you know, has that problem been solved before? You know, there's some market research. Um, have people solved it? Have they done it particularly well? Or could we better than that? And there's there's really, a, I guess, a feeling, a, a sense of ownership with a product team. Because um, it's, it's, it's the product team that's responsible for, I guess, implementing the strategy, building that roadmap, defining those product features. And, and they're also the ones who get get to decide what gets built and, and promote you know promote what's what's new and and also measure um, the performance of, of, of what they've delivered as well mm-hmm. yeah so that, that's really interesting of actually empowering the team to to own something as a as a full deliverable rather mm-hmm. than just kind of small elements of that so I suppose that has a really positive effect on how that team delivers yeah i'd say so um it can uh, you know being totally you know open about it um that that you know there's some some uh, some circumstances where that that doesn't suit um uh, people uh you know and um that could be difficult to deal with but yeah i would say generally people are uh, are up for that and um having that that um ownership of it um uh, and getting to make the decisions but also stand by those decisions and be responsible for it and 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 you know and sharing in the, the success hopefully anyway of, of what gets delivered it, it is really good uh, and mm-hmm. you know ultimately owning their their kind of kind of own destiny really yeah 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 that makes sense uh, and you kind of touched on a, a really kind of relevant point there of of some people don't like that way of working and, and prefer to to work in a, a, a more direct way, I guess. So do you find it difficult to find 
those types of, uh, of, of data people that want to want to work in that way? Um, I'd, I'd say, yeah, uh, it's, it's the honest answer. Um, um, I think that the demand for those skills is just really, really high at the moment. And I know, you know, we're, we're, we're both recruiting at the moment. We see the adverts <laughs> flying around. So uh, I'm sure, you know, you find it challenging. There's just so much going on, particularly, you know, in, mm-hmm. a, in a kind of tech hub like, you know, like Manchester and the, the Northwest that, that that's become definitely um you know everybody's trying to get those those really great people um but i think once you've you know and that that's just you know comes down to um a a lot of kind of the non-technical aspect of my role i guess uh um how you know how do we sell our you know how you know what have we done to build our data uh, engineering capability you know uh and 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 showing that it's a great place to work um so a lot of the stuff um we've done on that is around um we're we're kind of cloud only in our major cloud platforms aws so we've done a lot of work around that with the the amazon partner network and kind of put our products forward for kind of um competencies really invested quite heavily in in certification um so i've had um you know instances where we've done interviews and uh, it's very common for people to be have multiple offers on the table Uh, and we had one recently where um um i think they'd been offered slightly more money somewhere else in fact but they came they, they chose to come to CDL because of the relationship we we built with AWS. Um, we we showed them the typical kind of learning path, the certifications, and they could really see by coming to CDL that their their primary reason for, for for moving roles was to learn more about the cloud and specifically AWS. So in that case, we were able to show that, that you know CDL was was the the right place for them. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say um, there's a bit of um, sales work <laughs> that goes along <laughs> with being a, a data architect sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, as you said, we're, we're both we're both hiring at the moment, and it, it's clear now that people aren't they don't care so much about money or or even the tech stack. Sometimes it it's really about the problems that they're going to solve and the. Yeah. The value that they're going to add to the organisation, and, and I think that's a, a massive uh, kind of switch from what it used to be, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when um, when when this was kind of first um, first kind of ramping up. Mm. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, kind of roughly we spend we spend eight hours a day um, yeah. Doing, yeah. doing this thing, and um, if, if if that's not an enjoyable experience, mm-hmm. um, that that that's you know not great <laughs> for kind yeah. of your own quality of life so yeah um it, it, it's something that you know we try and um, put a real emphasis on uh, definitely yeah yeah no that makes sense um so um i guess part of part of kind of running um product teams is also uh, the, the frameworks that you put into place to to deliver um and things like agile so how do you kind of see product and agile ways of working fitting together? You know, are they the same or, or can you adopt a, a more waterfall approach sometimes? Um, do you want to just talk a little bit around that? Yeah, so um, we, we we generally try and do things in an agile way, um, but we don't exclude particular, um, or we, and we don't always, we don't prescribe one particular methodology. Uh, and we and we certainly don't exclude waterfall either because um for i think for kind of the well-trodden path i guess of you know um say like a, a data migration project where we are migrating data from a, a, a you know a, say a competitor system to to our own insurance platform that there are known steps to go through um, we know how long that's going to take depending on the volume. So waterfall works really well. <laughs> um, we don't need to be agile. We, we, we know pretty much how that's going to go and that by doing these steps in this order, that's what drives success. Um, but yeah, for 
typically for kind of software development stuff where there are unknowns, then yeah, Agile is, is great. Um, you'll see use Kanban um, a lot as well. Um, but I, I think product teams and Agile work are quite nicely aligned together. Um, so in very simple terms, Agile for me is all about how you can deliver value as, as quickly and as safely as possible. So um, kind of in order to understand if that value has actually been delivered, that, that there must be some sort of kind of metrics behind it, like, well, you know, um, I guess how much manual work is saved by, you know, automating something. So if a product team has kind of evaluated it, it, its product roadmap, I guess, by what they believe is the most important based on the market research they've done, they're really setting themselves up to to focus on and deliver that value to the customer. So yeah. I think, yeah, there is a, a really good alignment between product and agile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess to your point earlier, they're they're both they're both frameworks. So um, you take the parts of those that work rather than they're really um, um, things that you have to follow by the letter. Um, and I think both of those concepts of having frameworks and, and you pick the bits that work and you shape that for your organization uh, is, a, is a great approach because not, not every organization is the same. I don't think any organizations are the same. Absolutely not, yeah. And I think to come back to the previous point around, you know, um, people wanting to be part of a product team and perhaps some of the, perhaps some of the reasons you know, one of the main reasons perhaps why somebody wouldn't want to be part of a product team is that that, that kind of fear of of the responsibility is then on them as, as part of that, that collective, but, you know, it, it, it's on them. And what does, and not having, perhaps not having that, that, that before. But um, I think what we try to do in, in those situations is, is kind of, um, techniques and like like fail fail failing fast and kind of um i guess like what amazon say are like open door decisions so if you can if you can come back from something where you've perhaps made a decision based on the evidence you have that had at the time and it turned out you know it hasn't worked out but can you reverse that you know reasonably quickly without causing too much damage then there's probably not much point in spending hours and days in meetings worrying about it. <laughs> there's, there's a, you know, so we, we kind of um, try and encourage people to, you know, make those decisions on that basis and really only kind of use those, es have those escalation paths, but the escalations are used when it's really a closed door decision where, yeah. you know, you need to get it right. Um, you know, for, um, and, and this is probably an old example, but you know, if you've got your own data center and you're having to make a decision on how how many servers to buy for a new product, you kind of need to know, kind of upfront, uh, <laughs> you know, which, which type of servers to buy, <laughs> and you, you kind of have to get that right because there's a there's a large kind of capital expense, I guess. Whereas, you know, uh, these, why well, I say it's a poor example, because, you know, in the cloud, that, you know, you, you can change the servers that you have at the end of the day if you've got it got it slightly wrong. So, you know, that using the cloud, it makes it more of a, a kind of open door decision, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really good point there. We, we have a team who, who've been working on a particular uh, problem um, for around three months, and... Um, and it's a data science problem and, and the mm -hmm. result hasn't turned out as expected. Um, and, and one of the team um, has actually seen that as, as a failure, but taking it to, to heart would actually, to me, that's, that should be a positive learning experience of, yeah. you know, we've, we've done something, we've delivered something. The output isn't what we expected, but that's not their fault. <laughs> it, uh, it's nothing that they've done wrong. And I think, um, that can be one of the, as you said, the reasons why some people might not like that that type of setup. Yeah, and and, and agile is a really great example of you know not taking things to heart, but you know 
retrospectives and, and post-mortems, they're not there to, to lay blame. It, like you said, it's, it's did you learn something from making that decision and, and executing it? And has as long as the you know the behaviour then therefore changes as a result of that, that that's really good. Um, uh, and it, yeah, it definitely should be seen as a positive thing. Um, and I, I've been doing I've been doing some um, uh, some stuff with, with a team this week actually. Um, again, so to kind of call out to the AWS stuff, they have um, what's called the well-architected framework. And, and you'd think, you know, you know, architecture, AWS, this is going to be, you know, a series of kind of quite techie questions. But in the mix there is 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 all about, you know, are you measuring these things? Are you tracking these things? Are you learning from what those those metrics are showing you and adapting the workload um, to cope with with the changes and, and doing things in a nice incremental way, which is, you know, is just smacks of agile, um, but. But so yeah, um, I, you know, and I, uh, so that was that was. Um, I asked the team, you know, about about this. You know, it was, I think it was the first time that the particular people had, had gone through that that framework. Um, and I think it's fair to say that they thought it was it was quite useful. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting a lot of the, the the questions that are asked of these of you know these te- during these technical reviews are much more around culture and, and process improvement and things like that mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've i've actually seen the the aws well architected framework and it, it is a great framework and, it, and like you <laughs> yeah. say it's not it's not as technical as you think it is yeah not at um, all. Yeah. and i think i think it's something you you could probably put some you know business users or business leaders through just to understand some of those concepts of uh, of the cloud and and um agile methodologies so um i think it's, it's definitely something to look at yeah yeah definitely so we've um we've we've done a bit around that um, and we're planning to do more um so we've got um you know coming back to, to products um the, the kind of head of our our product um owner uh, group um you know has had um, sessions with with our AWS account manager uh, and various kind of subject matter experts from from AWS. I know um, they're they're putting people through um, at least you know the cloud practitioner certification. Um, they're they're part of the, um, the the team the 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 kind of mail group that gets these emails from the the partner network. Um, in fact, we had we had some, somebody yesterday from our commercial team who you know posted on LinkedIn to say that he's he's passed his um his, his cloud practitioner. So it's it's really great for me to kind of see all these kind of these business and, and commercial people who, at the end of the day, you know, are talking to customers um, that they're bringing in, in 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 the cool stuff to kind of me to work on as as the fun side of it as the as the engineer. Um, but when you know they're putting a real effort into understanding i guess the benefits of, of things like the cloud so that when they go out and talk to customers um they can have an honest conversation with them about it yeah yeah that that's really interesting and i think it, it obviously sounds like the, the cloud and, and aws in particular is a really important part of, of of what cdl do um and i almost question could you do some of the things that you're doing if you didn't have the cloud and you were kind of restricted to more traditional ways of standing things up, um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm a big <laughs> cloud advocate, so you're probably not going to be surprised by my answer. <laughs> and the answer is no. We would we would almost certainly be turning down work if it wasn't for the cloud, definitely. Um, and and what it's really allow allowed us to do is is not just continue to kind of deliver what we what we already had which was already you know a good service we had great customers that you know you know th- revenue was going up you know it's all, all all going in the right direction but but the cloud really allowed to allowed us to kind of accelerate that and um um it really started for me probably um and i think this is, is is how we ended up meeting um um, when I, I came and did a, a talk about the, the product that we built at, at, at um, the, the the data meetup that that, um, that you run, um, and 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 that was only possible because of the cloud. Because uh, and we, and we've already talked about failing fast. We'd actually tried to do it, 
um, on premise, and it had it hadn't worked. <laughs> so, not to give up, um, you know, we learned from that, and we tried something different, and um, we put this, you know, this 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 team together, and um, you know, second time it, it it was successful, and that that created a new product, uh, and it was that product that then led to CDL actually forming a, a, a data services department, you know, distinct uh, and, and to focus on, you know, the data problems that, that ourselves and customers have. Um, so yeah. obviously for me, that, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, we, we've been talking about this recently around how data teams and even software teams want to be able to focus on solving problems for customers be that internal or external they don't want to have to manage servers software updates <laughs> patches all that kind of stuff so yeah. if you can take all of that away <laughs> um then it gives that it gives those teams more time to focus on adding adding value back yeah absolutely and i definitely agree on the, the kind of managed service kind of stuff um and one of the areas that um, I guess that, that kind of brings it back to product is the product team, you know, should should actually consider, um, you know, things like total cost of ownership, and and as part of that, you, you, sh you know, you should consider when to, to to build or to buy functionality, because you know um, a really good example is like logging. You know, anybody that kind of does software engineering, writes software. You know the software has telemetry. You know it has logs that need to be written out for something. Does each team build a logging platform? Do they all build an Elastic Stack, or do they, you know, or you know, do you do you just use something like um, uh, CloudWatch Logs, or do you use something like Chaos Search that uh, you know that you can you can buy you can buy in, um, and so. Something that we we did recently with one of the one of the products was um, um, I can't remember the name of the metric I gave it, but uh, we we basically attributed a cost of if we're building this thing and we need to run it, what what's the cost of that of that the the per, the the people um, in in the context of what are the, what are they not building in terms of new functionality for customers while they're managing this thing over here um and so that was um that was an interesting um thing to to consider because sometimes you know the SaaS stuff you think oh we could just build that ourselves because we know servers and we can install this and we can do that and it's open source and why why should we pay um but you, you go well actually you know you, you've got to be on call for it that's over time and uh you know there's monthly patching and all, all of those things that you know you said you have to do just to get yeah. the lights on um yeah. yeah yeah that's that's interesting as well because what you're saying is it's not just you know the the, the time that they're spent supporting and maintaining it uh, the, it's not just the cost of that it's the cost of them not doing something else that's adding value yes and that's a really interesting way of looking at it because most people just see it as well, it's just their salary of, of, you know, we're paying them to maintain it. But often these people are, you know, intelligent, uh, experienced people that could be doing something else. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And uh, you know, if that can be improving and solving problems uh, for customers, um, it, it's, it's it's a real, it's a, it's a difficult one to justify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, and talking about some of those kind of AWS services, and going back to what you were saying originally, it kind of sounds like the the, the data products that you're building are very similar to that. So, instead of you know setting up your own logging system, you use an AWS service. Instead of uh, building an integration to your backend database, use one of the services or products that you've built. So. I kind of like that that kind of synergy to actually, you know, a AWS in itself are building products that people use in the same way that you guys are building internal products that people use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if if you talk to the to the to the you know 
AWS teams and things like that, a lot of the reason you know why they got started was they were building those products for Amazon.com. And so this is just a kind of an extension that they've gone, well, if Amazon.com would use these services, surely, you know, other people will. And that's, you know, just snowballed really into the, you know, multi-billion pound business that AWS is today. Uh, but yeah, we absolutely we 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 look at the the building blocks that that essentially AWS provide, and and we t- we take those and uh, we build on top. So, um, you know, I, I talked about um, making you know making sure that data is available to to you know our software engineering teams uh, in an easier way. So one of the things you know we're we're doing at the moment is is a data catalog, so that when a a software team says, "Right, well, I need this this data for my for my product." You know, rather than kind of going around, who who has this data? How do I get access to it? You know, all all of that, they can simply put in the the, the you know the key terms, um, you know, like um, Ford cars or whatever it is, into a, into a, you know a simple search interface, and they get a list of data sets back. You know, it tells them who the, the kind of data owner is. Um, it, it has, you know, the kind of pre-authorized use cases, you know, because data governance and security and, and all the, the legal stuff has to be built in. You know, you know, you might we we've got data sets where we can use it for one purpose, but but not a, not another. Um, for example. Um, uh, you know, it gives you gives you all of that kind of information. It gives you the schema, and and uh, and and ideally, you know, some kind of API that you can you can you can just programmatically start to hook up to, as long as you know all the compliance stuff's been met. Um, so yeah, um, and we're 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 building that on top of um, uh, AWS Glue, which is is the glue. Uh, the glue has a, a has a data catalog built into it, um, and it's really good at pulling together all of the the kind of technical metadata. So you know, essentially the schema, all of that's all of that's there already. So we don't need to build that. All we're adding to it is really the um, the, the business metadata, if you like. So you know, there's there's um, you know a, 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 a field. Um, that's a, a string of a certain length. All of that information, all that tech metadata is in the in glue already. What yeah. we add to that is, well, what's the business definition of that field? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that that's the bit that we're building, not not the other bit. Yeah, I, I like that idea because you're you're going to the extreme of 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 not building stuff that's just available and yeah. actually just adding on the bits that you need as as an organization. Yeah, and and I think by doing that as well, one of the things that we've noticed is is that we get um, we get value and and problems often get solved for us almost for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you kind of have a have a partner like AWS or any kind of software um, you know vendor that you that you in partnership with, um, and you. you you have that close relationship and you 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 feed back to them about their own product roadmap um you, you find out and, and sometimes this can be under nda as well but um you know you, you get to hear well actually yeah that's 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 a, a problem that a lot of customers tell us about and we're already working on that and the roadmap is often the the roadmap on these things is not not as precise as we would often like but you know they they, they kind of term it in in the next three months that will be there so but you can then make a kind of informed decision is do we invest you know the time to implement that or do we just prioritize something else wait the three months and see what they come up with because <laughs> it's going to take us four months to build it <laughs> but they're going to be there in three months and it's all going to be integrated with all the other services that, that we use already mm-hmm. you know that that's a that's a good point to discuss i think <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely and and just just touching on aws for for a couple of minutes is the is is there anything that you're particularly excited about the aws platform that that um that's coming up or or, or anything in general that you're you're looking forward to 
oh, I wish I could talk about some of the NDA stuff. <laughs> but I can't because I'll get kicked out of the magic circle. Uh, but, um, <laughs> let, let's talk about stuff that's in preview that's public. Um, yeah. So I guess my favourite of those is QuickSight at the moment. So we use Power BI and we, we use Tableau as well and our customers do and, and those tools are really great. Um, I think in the past, um, in terms of making data available across the organization, I think there's um, certainly what I see anyway when I talk to our customers, there's a lot of um, end users out there who are consumers of dashboards rather than builders of dashboards. The, the builders of the dashboards and the people who like the power of, of Tableau and Power BI and all, all of that, they're relatively quite a small number. But there are lots more people um, who would like data to be presented in a very visual way in order to help them make decisions. And I think the, the price point of QuickSight, um, effectively, it's like 30 cents a session as like, you know, list price to anybody in the world can just, just have that. <laughs> uh, and then it gets cheaper that, you know, the more you can buy kind of minutes in advance, I think is the, the kind of pricing model. So it gets cheaper the more you buy. But just to be able to say 30 cents a session and that session lasts for 30 minutes and somebody can consume a really nice visualization that helps them make a decision. I think that's that's really powerful. And the other thing that um, is in is in public preview, so we, we, we can talk about it, is QuickSight Q. So this is the nat the kind of natural language extension to, to, to QuickSight. So you can literally ask it a question, how you would ask, normally ask it in, in English. And in the background, it's essentially converting that to SQL or whatever language for the, the underlying data store supports and giving the, you a visualization or a, an answer back. And that's that's really impressive when we've been we've been doing a lot of um, kind of proof of concepts around with that around that. Uh, and um, that that seems to work really, really well. And again, at that 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 price point and also the the ability to embed you know, embed that through an, a QuickSight API into your own applications. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really powerful. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I, I really like the the QuickSight pricing model yes. because <laughs> as as consumers of information, um, you know, being able to price on that is a lot more cost effective than you know the the likes of the Power BIs and and Tableaus because yeah. you're you're essentially paying for someone to who might access a dashboard once a week or once a month <laughs> um, yeah. and, and QuickSight just turns that on its head yeah um, and yeah I've I've not seen the um, the natural language stuff but I imagine given all the kind of uh, expertise in, in Alexa and things like that it's <laughs> going to be pretty pretty powerful yeah so I can tell you from 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 using it um the, the kind of process you go through is, is kind of what's called like building a topic so you, you kind of it kind of scans the, the the data and gets the schema and then you can it is very much like building an Alexa skill with kind of where you have like the the kind of slots and the intents and, and things like that it is very very similar to how that works you can definitely see perhaps where they've drawn upon that um yeah yeah cool that's that's interesting i think we we could probably do a, another whole podcast on uh, <laughs> on aws or, or maybe that just might be me and you having a beer in a pub <laughs> so. that, that, that sounds good yeah let's arrange that soon <laughs> <laughs> uh so i think let, let's move on to uh to your well-prepared three questions that we <laughs> that we ask everyone so um so uh uh, this is odd because Andy and I usually take one of these each, but um, I guess I'm doing more. So the the first one is, uh, what what do you wish you could tell your 20 year old self uh, that would now help your data career? Uh, yeah, this this was the 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 easiest one for me to answer mm -hmm. because um, this th this advice I I was actually given at 20. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't like it at the time. I chose, I chose to ignore it, and that was yeah, to my yeah. detriment. Um, but yeah, so I guess at, at that time I was I was um, 
I was very focused on kind of building my technical skills out. Uh, mm -hmm. I was working in kind of a, a largely an Oracle kind of development um, team, um, doing lots of stuff with like fraud and error for, for government, which was really, really cool. Um, and I had lots of ideas as, as, as a, as a 20, 20 year old person often does. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I was getting uh, perhaps frustrated that, you know, you know, I've done all this work to, to get these technical skills, you know, doing certifications, uh, you know, the feedback from line managers was, yeah, he, he's great. He's learning all these technical things. He's great, great asset to the team. And um, kind of the manager, I guess, in charge of the uh, the pay rises at the time, <laughs> gave me some <laughs> advice. Kind of like, well, yeah, I can, I can, you know, I think I was after a pay rise at the time, and um, uh, I, I didn't get one. Um, <laughs> it's the end of the story. But um, uh, I, you know, I was putting forward my case for a pay rise, and it, it was like, well, yeah, I, I just can't. I, I'm going to really find it difficult to give you a pay rise because when we, when we put you kind of in front of customers, you're kind of really quiet, and um, um, you know all these ideas, you, you don't really uh, articulate them very well, and you're not able to explain them to a, to a business um, person, and it's the business person who, at the end of the day, has the checkbook and can sign off on whether your idea actually gets get, gets built or not. Um, so, you know, I, I, being young and kind of inexperienced, I guess I, I kind of argued against that. But um, <laughs> I'm happy to say, if he's listening, Derek McShane, he was, he was right. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, it, it took me, uh, kind of, I guess, a couple of years to kind of realize that and, and, and change my ways, I guess. And um, fortunately, that, that was, that was, I did that, and uh, like we said at the beginning, you know, kind of, I spend half my time doing doing the techie engineering stuff, and then the other stuff is the you know the the people stuff and talking to customers and and, yeah. and kind of being that translator between tech and and, and business, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I've learned my yeah. lesson. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, so the next one is um, uh, what one training. Uh, piece of learning course uh, would you recommend to anyone uh, joining the data profession yeah um I'd, i guess i have a i have a problem with the, the question <laughs> the, the one training course so yeah um I, I i don't think i could could recommend one i, I think that the, uh, the kind of traditional idea of a, a training course where you kind of I guess go and sit in a classroom with an instructor. I think that's that's really been disrupted, um, and you know I've I've been been out to a, a few places. So there's um there's a place in Manchester, and they've got they've got places elsewhere, but they're called Code Nation, and they they, they take people um kind of through the apprenticeship level levy and, and things like that, and 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 teach them how to essentially become software engineers, and they they help them. Help them get a job in, in kind of software engineering, um, and um, they're they're one of our, our partners. And uh, we, um, I've been in to kind of talk to, to the students, and this this kind of question comes up almost every time I've been in, and I always I always give them the same answer. Uh, and I think a much more flexible way now is is by learning skills, kind of using the online learning platforms. So things like um, A Cloud Guru, Linux Academy, Cloud Academy, Demi. Um, other ones are, are, are available, I'm sure, and, and all equally as good. Um, but that's how, personally, I do all my technical training. I've done all my AWS certifications using primarily those as, as the way to learn. And I, I, I think the real nice thing about them is having that kind of ability to learn in small chunks uh, and on demand and really as needed and, and almost to kind of blend the various bits around the specific problems that you're trying to solve. So, you know, at the moment we've got people doing some ETL work and we're using Glue for that, but we're using PySpark. Um, so yes, they're learning, they're learning a bit, they're doing a module on, on AWS Glue and then they're doing a, a separate module on, on PySpark. And maybe the ones that are, are brand new to it are doing a module on Python first. <laughs> so you get that really, you know, if I was to kind of go go out to market, I, I think I'd really have a hard time finding a training course that mm -hmm. gave me that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's like you say, um, 
the whole kind of uh, way people learn and uh, has changed. Uh, and I think there's there's also a big uh, difference in uh, different types of people learn in different ways. So people like to, some people like to read the theory and then, <laughs> and then go and try it out. Some people yeah. like to just get stuck in and, and try and build something or solve a problem uh, um, using you know some of those platforms where where they provide you with sandboxes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, I think people learning and and also the medium as well that people people um, prefer to learn by is something that I, I, I've re- fairly recently come across as well as being a you know an issue that needs solving. So we've got like an internal data academy. Um, which you know I contribute a lot of content to, and um, a lot of the content at the beginning was was what I would call tech talk videos, um, and there are people who actually just really hate watching videos because they're really fast readers, mm-hmm. and yeah. they can get through a page of text far quicker, far more efficiently than they can watching a video. So now I try to balance my my content out between different uh, different formats as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, so last question, um, if you could sit down with anyone in data, um, dead or alive, um, to chat during your own uh, data podcast, uh, who would it be and, and why? Um, yeah, so I kind of, I guess I have sat down in the same room as, as this person. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> there was about 20,000 other people there at the same time, <laughs> so I didn't get to ask him anything. Uh, but I, I kind of find it quite interesting to hear hearing how people who get given these really what seem to be really big almost impossible problems to deal with just where do they start and how do they not get overwhelmed by the task so i i was fortunate enough to to it was about seven minutes and you can you can search for it on on youtube there's a youtube video of it but um, i heard uh, dj uh, patel speak at uh AWS reinvent conference in 2016 um so dj was the first u.s um, chief data scientist, I think I'm right in saying was his correct title, basically appointed by the Obama administration. And um, I think his brief was something like, unleash the power of data for the benefit of all Americans. You just think, where do you start with that? <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess I, I'd just like to kind of ask him, you know, what, what was the kind of process that he worked through where he kind of turned up on day one, you know, what did he do? Did he have a plan? What did that look like? Then a week later, h- how had that evolved? A month later, you know, how is he making sure that kind of progress has been made? And just, yeah, the not really the technical side of it. Just like how 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 do you manage that that, that kind mm-hmm. of scale of things? Really, yeah, 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 and and definitely find out if if he knew that was his challenge before he signed <laughs> up for the job. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. he's he's a very smart guy so I'm sure he was fully aware and I'm sure he was fully up for it but yeah yeah, just one of those things like wow how you know so like some of the you know I definitely you know encourage people to just have a look at the video because it's not technical at all um, Mm -hmm. despite you know being in front of kind of 30,000 techies Um, um, but yeah the the kind of problems he talks about on on the video is just like wow yeah where where, Mm -hmm. where do you start (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. Well, um, I, I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the chat, Matt. Um, I think yeah, we've covered, me too. Yeah, it's been good. Covered a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of product, bit of AWS. Um, <laughs> so, I was always going to sneak in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of knew that was going to happen. And when I was thinking about topics, I kind of thought, you know, AWS would be a good one for Matt. But I thought, um, <laughs> let's try something a little bit different, and, and maybe we can do that next time. Yeah. I'll be d- delighted anytime, whether it's a podcast or just like you say, down in a real uh, data pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. Pleasure. Thanks, Nick. <laughs>